filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. dream last night in which i was supposed to take the train to baltimore to go to a, a new casino baltimore was also full of casinos there was like a casino district uh that took up like 33 percent of the city uh hold in on, this dream. Hold on. okay ben go ahead does baltimore have trains just like from suburbs of baltimore to baltimore they not the from they, they have the mark but they do not the mark does not come the mark doesn't count this was this was to be fair to what Ben's talking about. This was a, a more significant train than the Mark. Um, this was, was a train like a that Victorian does not steam engine train. No modern, modern, but like a, a more like a more Amtrak style train that uh, was on tracks that were higher in the air. Um, that none of this exists in real life. Also, the casino district in Baltimore doesn't exist. There's a casino. Well, yes. uh, it does not take up one third of the city. Um, but I was to go to a specific casino, and it was named Putra, P-U-T-R-A, uh, and it had like a big neon sign with neon pink letters, um, and I don't know what that word means. Uh, I don't know what it signifies, <laughs> um, uh, but I had to go to the casino for uh, unknown. The, the dream kind of fell apart after that, but I, am ve- I have very vivid images of taking the train to go to a casino named Putra in the casino district in Baltimore, which was, again, a city that had become, in my lifetime, one-third casinos. Um, And uh, I think it's a sign that there's too much soccer and that my brain is degrading into something uh, not quite a brain anymore. Yeah, uh, please, please, uh, people listening to this podcast, please adopt a Jason and and make his brain not soccer mush. Make sure he gets enough sleep and enough water every day, enough exercise. Like he needs some help. Yeah. Um, just, just imagine, just imagine uh, Sarah McLaughlin playing right now in the background. <laughs> you can support your Jason. Sad Anderson. pictures of Jason. Yes, just yeah, at a casino, pic- at an imaginary casino. No, see, I would say sad pictures of me watching another game and like <laughs> dutifully trying to monitor what's going on with it, uh, but also or, just looking like I haven't slept in who knows how long. So, or, or, did you or, get to sleep Sarah after that? Or just Sarah McLaughlin playing as uh, uh, Jason drives uh, and as I run over Adam, uh, uh, as Jason drives an hour and a half to Segra Field for for nothingness or wakes yeah. up at 4 30 for a women's national team game did you get to sleep after that jason yeah so so i i i stayed up too late and i slept about two hours and then woke up and watched the game and oh, then so you, I, did it, you did it both badly you, you 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 did both bad well i'm not done i'm not done the story yet um because then i also uh didn't wind down as soon as the game ended um and so it wasn't until about nine uh, that I took about a three-hour nap slash what I'm calling sleep. 
Um, instead so of I'm, I, I'm still right. You did both. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to make sure that you had the full <laughs> picture of, of what went okay. on. And so okay. why on uh, Thursday afternoon, I was, you know what the most confusing moment of all of this was? It didn't come until much later uh, because the the women's national team is doing their press conferences at a at what they've conceived of as the most reasonable time with a 13 hour time gap where the players are not having to do it too early. Uh, and the uh, media, especially East coast media is not being asked to stay up too late, but that still means 1 AM yes, on are. East coast. Um, and <laughs> That's so, too late. And so <laughs> I, in, they, they are going through them quickly. They're not they're They're on time. I'll give them credit for that. They're trying to get you out of there before one thirty at least, but, there was a moment during uh, yesterday's press conference when I realized it, it, it clicked in my head that the players we were speaking to had already had time to like sleep a full night's sleep, uh, have like a shower, have multiple meals and sort of recalibrate themselves and readjust to this new world in which they had suffered a bad loss. Whereas most of the reporters on the call hadn't gone through that yet and were still kind of in the aftermath of the game having not like gone home and gone to sleep, et cetera. Um, and I was like, God, this is just uh, the, the international dateline to me seems like maybe the most insurmountable challenge on earth. Uh, and this is just compounding that. Yeah. It I should think be so. illegal. We got to figure it. We got to have the law folks. <laughs> it's got to be taken down. Hey, Hey, welcome in. It's filibuster, the black and red United and destroy the international dateline podcast. I'm Adam Taylor joined by Ben Bromley and the, Hopefully less sleep deprived, Jason Anderson. We are all from, I mean, less than he was. Not compared to you, but compared to past Jason. Uh, We are all from blackandredunited.com, where we cover DC United, the Washington Spirit, the women's national team, uh, lots of soccer. This podcast, however, is mostly about DC United. That's what we're talking about tonight. We've got a uh, two to two draw with Chicago uh, to. Talk about Los Los Capitalinos, not Los Capitalinos. That's a band. Mm -hmm. Los Capitalinos uh, came back, scored two goals in the final 10 minutes. We're going to talk about that. Uh, Later in the show, we're going to bring on uh, our old friend Mark Fishkin from the Seeing Red podcast to help us preview the game against the Red Bulls Sunday night, 8 p.m. If you can't get down to Buzzard Point to watch it, you can see it on NBC Sports Washington, Teleexitos, DCUnited.com, or ESPN+. Plus depending on your specific location. Before we get to the soccer, though, Ben, what are you drinking? I went to uh, Richmond's venerable uh, Legend Brewery for dinner tonight. It's the oldest uh, 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 microbrewery in Richmond. It's been around since the 90s. Uh, And so I brought some beer home. I'm drinking just a good old-fashioned Legend Lager. It's... That's a classic. Uh, it's a good lager. Yeah, it's a classic. I, I at uh, the at the brewery, I had Legend Brown, which is the their like classic classic. But I needed something a little lighter to go into the podcast, and so I'm going Legend Lager. All right. Uh, much like the New York Red Bulls uh, name is a mockery because we all, as, as we all know, they are not in New York. Uh, they are in New Jersey. I am drinking a Manhattan made entirely from district made ingredients uh district made one eight rye uh or one eight district made rye it's actually the name of the rye and uh capitaline's rosé vermouth and it's a it's a tasty little cocktail is, is your ice district made 
I mean, it's from DC tap water that was frozen in my freezer. So a hundred percent. Are your cherries? Uh, the cherries, I guess, are not district made. So that's the one place where I'm falling down. I need uh, I need to to get a DC purveyor of of good cherries, which that's should the, exist. That that should exist. It should, yeah. I need to look. I was about to that. give you a pass, but you didn't give yourself a pass, and so now I'm just no. Now, now I'm I don't know if it exists. I need to find out. So if you know about good cocktail cherries made in the District of Columbia, uh, let us know. And if you are in fact a or even Virginia, purveyor, or if Maryland, you in, if you are in fact a purveyor of DMV made cocktail cherries, uh, give us an email: filibusterpodcast yeah. at gmail dot com. We should talk. Yeah, this is like a genuine one because I would love some cherries. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We will. We will happily. I mean, uh, like, talk your like, goods. Yeah, definitely. Like we joke about that a lot, but in this case, uh, we're serious. Like, yeah. This is this is our thing. Like, come on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Remember, we're 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 not a soccer podcast with a drinking problem. We're a drinking podcast with a soccer problem. Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I I I kept it real simple tonight. Um, I also I drank all my beer. Um, so I had to keep it very simple. Uh, I I got myself uh, one large piece of ice and I poured some uh, El Padrino de Mi Tierra uh, Añejo tequila over it. And that is it. Sounds good. Very nice. It's fine. It's got a nice little caramel thing going on. It's not the same. It, it's replaced the um, Technico Rudo uh, tequila line that I loved uh, that was very cheap and like competitive with like real top notch stuff. Um, and then that disappeared. Uh, and this came in, and it, it's fine. It's not quite as transcendent, right? For, for especially for the price, it's like okay, this is a solid discount tequila, as opposed to the like the other one, which was like this is as good as anything I own in the house, uh, including non liquors, just like in general, the stuff my possessions. <laughs> uh, DC United turned the tables a little bit on Wednesday night in Chicago. Uh, flipping the switch late and scoring twice after the 80th minute to take a point out of Soldier Field. A nice contrast with some recent games where they gave up late goals um, to to get those those late scores to to secure a result. Kevin Paredes scored from 15 yards to trigger the comeback, and Ola Kamara completed it with a penalty that was won by Andy Nahar. Um, been really nice to be on the other side of the late dramatics this time. Yeah, it really is. Um, I wish they'd been able to, to, to put more together, but I mean, it's uh, more together earlier, but given how their uh, injury situation has, has been at the back and given that they've been playing a lot of games, um, I still think it's a good, it's a good result getting a point on the road is always good and without a ton of center backs without uh, a lot of attackers uh it's a pretty good result like i I want to to put kevin paredes in bubble wrap whenever he's anywhere basically but i just want to be able to unleash him everywhere because dc united plays better when he's on the field and i never want anyone to hurt him and if you're a team that hurts Kevin Paredes, I will find you. I will track you down. And uh, I am like uh, uh, Liam Neeson. I have a certain set of skills and I will use them. 
Actually, Ben could probably find you. That's kind of I don't have any, I don't have any anything after skills, that, but I definitely do have finding skills. Yes. Anything after that, may, maybe not in his wheelhouse, but yeah. the finding part, you could actually pull off, I think. I believe you. I there. probably could. Um, yeah, Kevin Paredes came in and it, it took him a little, it took the team a little while to find him. He was just out there wide open and they, they continued playing up the middle or up the right. Um, but when they found him, he got the ball forward. And then uh, obviously at the end, he he combined to to help win the ball in midfield and keep it and then set up the attack where where Moreno pushed it forward to Reyna. And then Paredes read the space and and it was a great finish from him on the, the first time shot in off the post. Um, the final stages aside, though, as fun as those those last 10 minutes and getting no, no, the, sh- the sh- result sh- sh- were. Sh- sh- nothing else happened. Nothing else happened. Adam, 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 Adam Another Adam, 80 minutes of Adam. soccer happened and they, Adam. Jason, were very frustrating for me. Uh, I, I mean, for you, yes. Um, but for me... Uh, <laughs> Well, we, we, we had, you know, our, our little uh, thing on the site where we were both frustrated about different things. Um, and I don't I don't want to step on your thing. So I'll leave you to talk about your, your the reason you were frustrated. I'll say that what I was frustrated about was that uh, this was another game where D.C. had its chances when the score zero zero and did not do anything with them. Um, and, you know, one of those. Sure. Bobby Shuttleworth makes a great save on Briant on that corner kick that. That one, at least the finish was good, and it's just a great save to deny a goal. Um, but some of the other ones, the finish was not good. The finish was the problem. Um, whether whether it's a shot right at Shuttleworth uh, from Nigel Roberta after he gets played through by a top three pass from for, on the season for DC United from Julian Gressel. Um, Outside of the right foot, spinning into space. That was... To, Cutting in off, yeah. cutting in off the wing back, playing it through. I think four defenders being cut out by that ball to put in your striker on a breakaway. Um, you got to put that away. Uh, you got to reward that pass with the, that pass deserves a goal. It should that pass alone should count as one, but you someone does have to kick into the goal. Um, <laughs> and that that's kind of the unfortunately that's kind of the curse for Julian Gressel, uh, which you know we I spent some time talking about this in the article too. Uh, Gressel is doing everything he can to pile up assists. Um, the data bears this out. Uh, he is second in the, or at least coming into the game was second in the league and expected assist. I'm sure that maintained no he, one surpassed him. Uh, yeah, he still night. is. I checked today. He yeah. still is. Um, and it just, you know, it's hard to get assists if, if there isn't somebody else to put the ball in. Um, uh, and, and, you know, later you have Yamil Assad on a different, a different, of, of, Gressel created a variety of chances in this game. Um, it wasn't all just him hitting crosses like you would think. The definition um, was, of putting it on the platter. Yeah, th- this cutback that completely sells out the Chicago defense. They they are all they've all scrambled beyond the ball. Gressel knows they're going to do it. Cuts the wall back, and uh, Yumil Assad runs onto it. Perfectly timed run, shapes his body well to put it in, and just side puts it wide. Um, which uh, I after the game, I believe Losada said that that one has to be put away. He 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 was. It was interesting to watch him process the answer because he was still very much in two minds himself about, I'm very glad that we dominated this team on the road and created these early chances, uh, but I am also very frustrated that these chances aren't going in the goal. Um, and he was even like, you know, very exuberant, but, and normally when someone is like, well, I have to make this point, and then I want to make this point, they kind of lower on the bad news point. 
Um, but here it was just like exuberant and then exuberant again um, because he's got a, a lot to say about the situation. But yeah, to me, this was an evident, this was just a game where DC's finishing is a recurring weakness. And unfortunately, the one player that we know can finish this season with six goals now, Ola Kamara, wasn't really getting the opportunities. They're falling to other people and those people are not doing a good enough job finishing them. But Adam, I know you, you have a different angle on this. Yeah, I. so I, I think you're right. The finishing was frustrating early on. I was most frustrated after Chicago got their goal. And and their goal was, it, it's a tough goal to give up, but like it's a cross from a spot that's not particularly dangerous to 17 yards from goal and just a, a thumping header. Fred Briant kind of got fouled and pushed out of the way, like pushed down to the ground out mm. of the way by another player. And then Andy Nahar is not going to win aerial battles all that often and the Jimenez got a free run and and thumped it uh and it was a, it was a great header by him but you know that after was it, that was it Nahar? See, I thought it was Assad that was uh, uh beaten no, for the header I, no Assad was out trying to cut out a through ball from the, okay. the player who played in the cross uh while Nigel Roberta just stood off and didn't do anything on that play, but Nahar was, was in the back line for that. Um, yeah, my, my problem is most with the response because normally when DC United have been even or behind, they have dictated play so far this year. And they thoroughly did not do that after the goal, uh, in, until well into the second half, I think. And that was really frustrating. And, and it looked to me like it was at least partly, uh, an energy level problem. Um, they, they like, especially when Chicago got their, I, I guess you have to credit Chicago somewhat because when they got their possession structure together, DC United would not touch the ball again until Chicago made a move into the box. And then DC United's defense would collapse, collect the ball and move. But uh, the press wasn't really on some of that, I think was down to the two striker formation mm-hmm. uh, and, and the specific makeup when they switched to a three, uh, in the front system, uh, it just it wasn't working against Chicago's back three, and United just the the press wasn't working, and then the the mid block wasn't really doing anything either, and it was really bizarre watching DC United chase, and just the the intensity level didn't seem to be there. They were kind of resigned to chasing, it seemed like, and that kind of effort against the Red Bulls will get punished. Um, the Red Bulls won't keep the ball like that, but they will move up the field so fast uh, that, that it just, it, it won't be a fun game for, for United fans. So I'm, I'm hoping that this was a, something specific to this game. And then on Sunday, they're going to come out uh, with their hair on fire a little more. Um, but obviously they, they found the energy. If it was an energy issue, they found it because in the last 10 minutes, they, they turned it on and, and got the result they needed. And, uh, you know, you got to credit the players for, for that, for finding that digging as deep as they had to do to, to do that against Chicago, who well, I, as easy as it is to cut Chicago open when you're down two goals, you still have to find those two goals. Well, I, And it was also the introduction of, of a lot of the subs like Jordi Reyna made a difference uh, Kevin Paredes made an obvious difference. Griffin yeah. Yao made a difference. It was uh, a lot of introducing uh, additional players. Uh, not not to uh, say that the starters uh, 
weren't ready to do what they were doing. But I mean, personally, I think like uh, replacing uh, Emil Assad helped. I, I think that, that that he's he's at an introspective point right now. He's at a liminal space right now where I don't know if what role Emil Assad plays, and I don't know if if he has a spot on the way this team wants to play right now. And so it's, it's up to him to figure out. It's up to uh, Arnon Losada to figure it out, but they played better when uh, uh, Jordi Reyna was, was in there instead of him. And Jordi Reyna has his own set of problems as well. He's not a, a perfect player, but they did better when Yamil Assad came off and Jordi Reyna came on. Well, I, I will say, you know, we are coming off of Assad scoring in two straight games before this one. Um, but those were games where he played further up the field. Uh, this game, to, to go back to Adam talking about how they played with two forwards instead of three and that maybe that was part of the issue with them not being able to press as successfully, um, there was an interesting the way that Assad played was a little interesting to me because we've seen DC go on the road, play three, five, two, and Assad is just the left member of that midfield trio. And he just sort of stays in line with the group. And that's, that was that this was a little different. There, there were moments where the forwards would shift and Assad would, would step up and be that third player, but he had to, his starting position had to be deep and then he would step out. Um, And so he was given a lot of extra running. Uh, by that role. I, I don't think it worked. I understood why it was happening to to add an unexpected third layer uh, or a second layer, you know, the forwards try and channel play one way. And then here comes Jamil Assad from a deeper position. You don't expect him to be there and he's there. Um, but it didn't really work. Chicago figured it out after the first few minutes. Um, and from that point, it's a lot of running to, to not have the tactic work. Um, so I think he, he put a lot in, um, but I also think that, uh, you know, asking Losada at, at, this is what I asked him after the game uh, was about the choice to make the two halftime subs. Um, what, you know, what was he looking for? And he said, it wasn't that Mora and Assad played badly in his view. Um, he basically wanted risk takers, you know, because the team was trailing, uh, because the last 15 minutes of the half had kind of just sort of gone by without a lot happening. He wanted some, some guys that were willing to take more chances on the ball. Um, and, and I think that describes Paredes uh, versus Mora yeah. much more so than Reyna yeah. versus Assad. Um, but I do think that um, with Reyna and Assad, there was also from the point Reyna came in, DC was no longer playing that, that two forward setup. They had, they had Reyna in kind of a different role. It wasn't really three, four, three uh, at times because it was like, three across the front, except Reyna would drop off of the front line and often drift into the middle or even show up like over to the left. Like it was a front three in which the right-sided player was just given carte blanche a free to role. go. Yeah. yeah. Um, which was very interesting and, and probably is like the ideal role for Jordi Reyna. Um, yeah. If we're being honest, that's where that is probably where he, if he's going to succeed here, it's going to be in that spot. Um, I will say he has to, bring more to the table uh, to allow that to work. Like to give someone a free role in this system, they have to be lights out. Um, and he did get the assist. I don't want to take anything away from him. I just don't know if it's a long-term. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm wondering if maybe like, 
it's not Jordi Reyna auditioning for that role, but maybe Hernan Lozada is just trying that out a, a little bit, maybe, and hopefully maybe uh, uh, Edison Flores can take mm-hmm. that role at a much mm-hmm. higher level. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. It's definitely, um, it was an interesting thing, though, because, um, the, you know, I, I think it was right for DC to go into halftime saying, we have to change change something in our structure because the last 15 minutes of the game just sort of occurred. Like, it's not like this team to just let 15 minutes go by without something. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, I was interested to see what they were going to do coming out of halftime. Um, I wasn't surprised that Paredes was in there. Like, that was one I was like, yeah, that's probably going to happen. And we could even see, um, you know, credit to, uh, I, I believe, that the live feed that was coming from Chicago, but credit to, uh, DC's production crew for putting that on the screen rather than the whatever the game broadcast was showing, which I'm sure was Chicago's halftime stuff. But one thing we got to see was uh, uh, Nicholas Frutos giving, like with the clipboard, giving Kevin Paredes some advice. So we knew that was coming. Um, the Reina sub was definitely a little more unexpected, uh, but it eventually worked. It did take some time. Um, partial Part of that is Chicago played pretty well. Uh, they were... Getting the lead for it's weird how Chicago works because like if you go read, there's probably ten different Matt Doyle columns on MLS Soccer this year addressing the fire and their penchant for giving like doing well and then giving up late goals. And you would think at a certain point that they would stop getting confident when they score because they'd be like, well, we all know how this is going to end. Um, but they didn't. Uh, they were like, no, we got a good. We you know we weathered the store from there uh, from DC. We got a good goal. Uh, we're playing well. We're avoiding their pressure. Like this is how it's supposed to look. This everything's going great. Um, uh, so the fact that they then did a Chicago Fire in the end, anyway, um, especially did a Frank Klopas. Like, I mean, this is a, this is like let's let's give credit where to. This is a Rafael Vicky. Yeah, um, like he's not there, but he did it. I mean, um, Frank Klopas was the Goonies. He was the the reverse Chicago Fire. Well, well, I mean, he's also the caretaker, and so he's just implementing yep. the various Vicky things, and this is one of them, is that, you know, the first goal, good good goal from D.C., well-constructed. Um, the second goal, there's always a Chicago error coming. Um, and I found myself in, like, the 80th minute thinking, like, D.C. is probably going to get at least one because Chicago's going to do something that is inexplicable. And sure enough, you have Jonathan Bornstein, their captain and then most experienced player, deciding – diving I in to, for no I can reason dive in on this uh, on andy nahar here when he's clearly got the ball and i'm in the box. well behind yeah, uh it's gonna work and um, going away from goal like not yeah. a reason yeah, to like, dive there, in there. there was no need like those those kinds of uh, uh penalties always just frustrate me so much because it's just like he's going away from goal and it's like in the in the far furthest corner of the penalty area it's just like why are you doing yeah. this? Jonathan Bornstein never has to buy beer. If he finds himself in Honduras, he will always have free drinks there. But, you know, if he wants to give us a penalty, then I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and on that note, I think we're going to take a quick break and uh, throw it to our interview with Mark Fishkin. Stick around. It's Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. All right. Say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, 
in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, If you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster first installment of this year's Atlantic Cup goes down Sunday night on Buzzard Point. Watch at 8 p.m. on NBC Sports Network, Teleexitos, DCUnited.com, or ESPN Plus if you can't get down to Audi Field. The Red Bulls come to town one point and one place ahead of DC United in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Mark Fishkin talks Metro on Seeing Red, a podcast that is even older than the one you're listening to right now, and that is... That is saying something. He's graciously accepted our invitation to come back on the show to help us preview this one. Welcome back to Filibuster, Mark. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. I guess I did something right to get the uh, return call, but I appreciate being here. It's it's the hot fire you come in. You know, the trash talk as soon as you join the call. Every time. I love go. it. All right. uh, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, you know, it's a little later, so there's some seltzer with lime. Keeping it, I like it. Keeping it yeah. 100. So I like it. So uh, turning to the action on the field, there's a chant that DC United fans like to throw at the Red Bulls. Same old Metro. Usually that's about their lackluster results, especially in the playoffs. But it actually seems to apply to the team's identity right now. Gerhard Struber is the new manager, and he seems to have brought Red Bull soccer back to Red Bull Arena. Yeah, I mean, it really does look like the high energy, uh, energy drink soccer that we first saw from Jesse Marsh back when he joined the team after the 2014 season. Um, It's pressing and pressing and pressing again. Uh, Listen, in in the first few games of the season, Struber had his team just blasting into the attacking third as quickly as possible and then going after it, creating a turnover and generating a scoring chance. Um, he has he and uh, head of sport Kevin Thelwell have completely changed the team. Uh, I think there are twelve new players this year. Uh, this is the youngest team in MLS. There are three teenagers on the field uh, at any one time, usually ju- just like the way that you guys are playing these days, um, going young, generating excitement of young players, uh, flipping them to uh, help pad the the wallet. In our case, of course, it's flipping talented young players to our corporate cousins in Salzburg and Leipzig, uh, where they can do (laughs) an accounting measure and uh, sell the players. uh, um, That's air quotes. So, um, you know, they they can say that they moved the, moved the player over. That's what happened with Caden Clark came in the middle of last year to Red Bulls two leveled up very quickly out of the Barca Academy uh, and now he is on his way to Leipzig. In fact, he is a Leipzig player that has been loaned back to New York for the remainder of the 21 season. Hey, thanks. Um, and he's returning back to the starting lineup. Well, getting a little more into that, uh, how do you feel about, like, like 
we have Kevin Paredes, a great player, and but we don't have a team to immediately snatch him up. We can hopefully uh, sell him on the open market for, I mean, it, it, uh, as I've been talking about, hopefully eight figures because uh, he deserves that amount of money. But with Caden Clark and, and Jesse Marsh and a lot of uh, uh, Red Bull uh, New York Red Bull properties, they get snapped up by your corporate cousins and it's not the, it's, it's not quite the same. So how do you feel about that, uh, that relationship? And is it, how beneficial is it to New York Red Bulls? Um, well, you could, you could make the argument that if New York was able to sell players like Hayden Clark to anybody in the world for in, in theory, a larger payout, that would be better, except for the fact that New York is, would not then be using that money to go out and get, you know, aging Euro star X to put butts in seats because that's not what they're doing. I mean, the team has really, I mean, they, they have turned New York into a football factory, which is fine um, if, <laughs> if uh, winning the cup every year was something that was happening. Now, there are some fans there there's a there's a schism in, in Red Bull fandom. There are plenty of Red Bull fans that believe in the Red Bull, right the big cartoon bull who has the big wad of cash that as long as that this should be great enough and the cup doesn't matter and shields or whatever everything that matters and you know for modern football but I, I think I think for you know perhaps fans that you know look like Bradley Whitford with the gray hair who just wanted the, the goddamn cup already. Because uh, I'm not getting any younger, um, you know. If this is the way to to win the last game of the season, then yeah, that's great. But um, you know, really, the jury the jury's out. The, the team is very young. The coach is new. I think the you know what constitutes success for New York in 2021 is continuing the team's 11 year playoff streak, and then anything goes. Um, and they're right around where they need to be. I mean, listen, second through ninth in the East is separated by six points. So on any evening, uh, people are, will be floating up and down the table, I think through most of the season. And, you know, when you have most of the East, just playing the East for the rest of the year, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, Mark, you mentioned uh, the idea of, of four modern football. And I want to ask a little, maybe the, the maybe the most extreme version of that that we have is a a pretty standard MLS thing that we're all used to that the rest of the world will be like, this is blasphemous. And that is you guys made a big trade to get Frankie Amaya, a product of the college game from a struggling expansion team. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, how, how has that worked out uh, bringing him in um, not going through the academy, not going through these, you know, European diamonds in the rough, but actually being like, let's make a trade in MLS like every other MLS team sometimes has to do. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I think in the case of Amaya, uh, Struber has been pretty straight up in saying that since Amaya did not actually go through the Red Bulls preseason because he came in the first few weeks of the season, he did not um, get indoctrinated into Struber's identity, as he mm-hmm. says. Um, and he's still learning the system against Toronto midweek. He was not terribly impressive. I'll be honest with you. He did some, had some good presses, but a lot of his passes were not forward. Um, he, he seemed a little timid at times. It was subbed off before the end of the game. I mean, but again, he's 20 and he's learning as is so, as are so many Red Bulls currently on the squad. And so, um, 
you know, I, I think the jury's out on whether this is a good move. But again, when you're talking about teams like DC, like New York, that are so far under the salary cap, um, trading a wad of imaginary Garber bucks for a young player doesn't mean a whole lot because they're never going to be spending to the limit anyway. Two more of those players that have been brought in seem to be starting just about every game up front, Fabio and Patrick uh, Clamala. Fabio. <laughs> uh, what do you make of, of those two? Well, I mean, they, Fabio first and then Klimala, who came in afterwards, um, took a little while to adjust. Uh, yeah, Fabio was a half-season loan, I don't know, from Oeste FC and the Serie B in Brazil. His loan was extended to the end of the season, principally because I think while he's impressed, at one point he was leading the league in assists, Um uh, uh, he is impressed not only because he seems to be a competent footballer, but also because he is a tremendous person and, and the, the um, management of the team just thinks the world of him. Klimala came in as a, as a sale, as a purchase rather, um, from off the, the dregs of the, Cel- the Glasgow Celtic bench. And he has points in his last five games, uh, three goals and four assists. He has as many points as Fabio with two and five. Um, the one thing that we haven't seen a really click yet is the two of them instinctively finding each other in the box. Um, but that'll come and that's okay. They've only had something like seven or eight games together. Um, you know, as with so much new, um, it is good to see for a couple of seasons, New York was struggling with its quote unquote non-scoring forwards, as we used to call them, uh, Tom Barlow and Brian White, who was shipped out to Vancouver earlier this year. Oh, we know, we, Bar- we know nothing about that in DC. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Um, but uh, they're, you know, they're rounding into form. They're coming together. I think that Klimala has already hit his goal total from Celtic last year. Um, and, you know, the kid is just looking to get playing time. He uh, kind of famously tweeted because he had been picking up a number of assists that I don't like these assists. I want to score goals. At what point a segment of the Red Bull fandom were like, I can't believe he's not focused on the wins of the team. And it's like, he's a striker and he wants to score goals. Can everyone just dial it back just a little bit? <laughs> Must we be upset about everyone with everything they say? And he does have a penalty kick goal uh, a couple of weeks ago. He, um, he scored last night in Toronto. And so, yeah, I mean, we like forwards that score goals and we haven't had a lot of that over the last couple of seasons. Uh, Mark, I, I wanted to ask in general, um, we've been kind of kind of asking this question a lot because we're so unused to um, how DC plays now. It's very, very right. different. It's almost diametrically opposed to what we were used to for several years there. Um, and right. so, the, you know, the Red Bulls are like, they are the known pressing team in MLS. They're the first team that if you ask the random MLS fan, who, 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 gets, who presses teams, they would say the Red Bulls. Um, yes. What I'm asking is, how do they deal on the occasions that they play another team that also likes to press? Because there are only a handful out there that want to press to this degree. Yeah, um, we've seen it in a couple of games against Philly this year, because I think that Philly has done a very successful job over the last couple of seasons, almost. Mark, it, doesn't it suck that Philly's actually good? 
Yeah, it sucks that Philly's above both of us in the standings. I, I was talking. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, they were above everyone yeah. last year, so you know, right? Progress. Uh, very strange. Um, New York has played them twice: a one-nil loss and a one-one draw, giving up an 85th-minute goal after losing a couple of defenders. New York's lost a ton of defenders, including Aaron Long, of course, but uh, for the year. Um, but one, one of the things that we see, you know, it is in fact, the Spider-Man pointing meme, um, come to life where it's like, you have the ball. No, you have it. No, you have it. And it can just look very negative. It can just be negative soccer. And in fact, the, in the one, one draw against Philly, a few weeks ago at Red Bull arena, I mean, the first half was, I mean, these games can really devolve quickly into knife and rock fights. I mean, it, it just. We, oh, we just we, did we one played Philly thing. and <laughs> yeah. lost yeah. two yeah. players to injury in that game. So, yeah, yeah. there you go. Um, and one of whom so, just had surgery, in fact. Right. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see with two coaches that are each new to their teams that will obviously be told the history of the rivalry between these two sides um it'll be interesting to see how the the many new players and i believe that we have i mean you guys are in transition as well Mm -hmm. but it'll be interesting to see just how these new players react to hey and and we're we're we don't like these guys remember (laughs) we we don't like them so don't like that the the, the last person a little strange but i'm not expecting beautiful football Mm. um i'm expecting a lot of uh just a, a grindy game also, it'll be for DC with their third match in eight days. Um, we did not play last weekend because of uh, persistent lightning in New York, and so which is a really a shame because our opponent was Miami, and New York really could have used the three points. And while you never say it's a guaranteed, you know, three it's points, it's still Neville. It's a guarantee. <laughs> I have. We have a saying on seeing red, which is "There's no reason." There's no reason. And it started years ago when it was like the last game of the season and New York was going to Chivas USA who had lost six games in a row and they were playing out the string. And it was like, there's no reason for them to lose. There's no reason for them to lose. And they lost like three nil. So <laughs> the joke is when you say there's no reason uh, people, you know, yeah. uh, type, type angry things. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it's, it's just a shame. I guess the question that it will be, who will be more tired? Um, New York will get Christian Castoris back. Um, who has been not played since he returned from Copa America, where he played every just about every minute for the Venezuelan national team. He's he has leveled up big time with four goals this season, including a tremendous free kick goal that sunk Orlando, which was uh, really a revelation. And he's and he's nineteen or he's twenty, and he's one of these guys that is totally bought in to Struber's system. And you just kind of wonder. You know, Clark's going to go. Who else is going to go? Uh, six players are here on loan. Or what, what are they going to do? And, and you know, we're still only 13 games into the season. We don't know what the team is yet. But Red Bull fans are being patient and hoping that, to, to find out soon. So, so we know the – go ahead, Ben. I, I was just going to say um... – Talking about Schuber, uh, we I think all are appreciative of the fact that uh, Chris Armas is neither of our coaches right now. Yeah. Uh, 
how how do you feel about uh, uh, Struber replacing him so far? And uh, how long do you expect him to be here? It was at Barnsley, obviously. He's yeah, a, he's a he's a a, a Red Bulls product uh, from the European side. Uh, is this yeah. another like he he's leveling up to to go to the European uh, side after this? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I don't. We, I wouldn't be surprised if it's just short stay for Struber. If if I'm him, I'm probably thinking 21 and 22 here, and then we see where it goes. The good thing is that unlike Jesse Marsh, he will not have to go across the pond, run away from games to make his flight uh, to get his Euro uh, license cards because he already has them. Um, listen, I, I think Red Bull fans are, have been surprisingly – patient with Struber because of because of the way that the players have seemed to taken from him, to take from him. I mean, Sean Davis is a perfect example. He's one of the longest tenured Red Bulls. He's a former homegrown player. He's 28 years old. He's the captain of the team and returned for the captain of the team for a second season, which broke a string of, I think, three straight captains here for a season and then being either moved or leaving the team. And Davis's game has blossomed under Struber. And, and he, in an interview on Sing Red earlier this year, told us, you know, I love Jesse and I love Chris, but they were all I knew as a player, this system. And Struber, just learning new different things has been very uh, energizing and has been really allowed Davis to grow. There was a point earlier in the year where he was running uh, the most in MLS or the second most in MLS on average per game. And he's become a, a, a beast as the six. Sometimes he plays as an eight. Um, so, you know, messaging like that and the results, you know, been there, they've beaten Orlando twice. Um, you know, they took care of uh, Toronto earlier in the year. They've been against Chicago in the year. Um, you know, they've had some tough, some tough scraps. They came really close to coming back against new England. Um, I will be very pleased when the Red Bulls do not have to play them again. They actually have them after DC. New England comes to Red Bull Arena. It will be the third and final time the three teams, uh, the two teams meet this year. Thank God, because they're so good. <laughs> but New York has given them, you know, a, a scare each of the times they play them. So to 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 wrap up your answer, I mean, I I, I don't think anyone who's a Red Bull fan is confused about what this team is. They are an outpost of a, of a global footballing conglomerate that moves everybody along the system. Um, now do, you know, I don't believe that, that Jesse will be leaving Leipzig to coach the German national team next. I think clearly we can all see that he will at some point host you know, be coaching the U.S. men's national team. Um, he's an exceptional human being and an exceptional coach. Um, and Just had the, the, the bad fortune to start his career at New York Red Bulls. Listen, you, you <laughs> said it, but I mean, listen, this is a guy, he actually started his career at Montreal Impact. That's right. And was laid off. And what did he do? He took his wife and three kids around the world for 18 months and said, yeah. let's just go have new experiences. I mean, he is a curious smart, engaging, uh, wonderful interview and a great guy. And, you know, he has benefited almost more than anyone else 
than other than Tyler uh, as being a part of this this Red Bull organization. So I don't anticipate Struber to be making a, a massive home here. But if if New York becomes what this continues to be, um, I think there will be a string of impressive coaches, young coaches that are eager to learn and improve their game. Sadly, I don't believe that the team exists to win MLS Cup because I believe that the team, that's not the mission of the team. And again, for gray hairs like me, um, who really want to see them do that before, uh, you know, they deport, depart this earth, um, and I'm not planning on going anywhere anytime soon, it's frustrating. Um, but I am, I've accepted what they are, and I'm enjoying what I'm seeing from them. You mentioned that Sean Davis said that Struber's system differs in ways from from Jesse Marsh and, and Chris Armis. Uh, can you go into any detail about that? I know he plays a diamond, which is not something we I, I was ever used to seeing a pressing team do until Jim Curtin implemented it in Philly. But now the Red Bulls are also pressing out of a diamond. How How is that working out? And what are the focuses of, of Struber's system? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's so far it's working pretty well. I mean, uh, there was a stretch over the previous month where New York w- was taking late leads and you think, oh God, you know, like we're all going to have to white knuckle this. And this diamond mid, this diamond uh, midfield actually just drove teams into the ground. Um, they scored the game winner against Orlando recently at Red Bull Arena to go up 2-1 with 10 minutes to play. And it was like, hold on to your butts. And I don't think Orlando put three passes together for the rest of the match. I mean, New York just throttled them uh, for the rest of the game. And that that was not necessarily something that we used to see out of the Marsh Armist teams <laughs> who would often go five in the back then and, and oftentimes would run out of gas because – this this system is just run and run and run and run and it helps when you've you know become the logan's run of mls where anyone over the age of 30 goes to carousel and for your listeners that might not know logan's run was in film in the late 70s <laughs> on a future world where no one lived past the age of 30 um it's really cheesy and i urge you all to go out and see it um but nevertheless you know, the only guy over 30 on the team, there are two guys on the team over 30, Ryan Mara and Danny Royer. And I don't know if either of them will be here next year. I mean, they, the, the team has started these last few matches to maybe run out of gas a little bit at the end of the season. And mind you, it's hot as hell. And uh, I have no doubt that it will be nice and a cool 65 degrees at Buzzard's Point. On the, no, uh, no. 91. Um, Right. <laughs> and can we just talk for a minute about Sunday night at eight? Like, come on, yes. man. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's this is fun. the thing that, that I think our fan bases can agree on more than anything. Um, the timing of these games sucks and has sucked for like a decade. Yeah. Midweek because games and Sunday night late games. It, it doesn't make any sense. Well, because the league doesn't care and they don't it's see like this they're as a actively trying to avoid it. Right. It's yeah. it's just graybeards like us that are like this is a thing we must we we need this. I would like yeah. it known my beard is my beard is not gray. Yeah. It should be. I've got I've got some showing up over here. You guys I mean, can't see it, Adam, 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 let's be honest. You've got some uh Scott Stapp hair going on right now. 
I, I prefer what I got this weekend or this week when I went into the office for the first time and saw people in the office for the first time. I got one, you look like a hobo, and one, you look like Dave Grohl. So I'm, I'm happy to be on that continuum. I'm nah, not it, going to acknowledge the one that you said. And did you say, it's great to see you as well? because <laughs> that's Wait, really this, the appropriate response this was thankfully the after the pleasantries this was okay. like yeah 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 nice to see you but oh my god you look like crap thanks <laughs> or a, or a rock star who's... or a rock star yes yeah or, I, I, either way yeah um so if you found yourself in the technical area opposite gerhard struber coming into this game what would you be focusing on how do you game plan against the red bulls in 2021 yeah, what you do is you sucker the wingbacks up and then you pop balls over them and try to generate uh, some some quick scoring opportunities. You know, the name of the game against the high press has always been was diagonal balls, the opposite corner. Um, you know, oftentimes when in full when full press mode is activated for New York, uh, the center backs are, you know, on the midfield line. I mean, they are all the way up, as they say, and as, as, as the song goes. And so... Yeah, I mean, speedy forwards uh, can kill. And if you got them, you got a shot. Um, also, to be frank, Carlos Cornell, who's a Salzburg loan, who's come in, he has four clean sheets, which is terrific. And he also gives up soft goals on the near post. So I'd put it there. Um, but yeah, I mean, just be ready for, for a track meet because, uh, you know, that's how you do it. We'll see if DC United can manage that Sunday night at eight o'clock on Buzzard Point. Thank you, Mark, for for joining us. Uh, tell your tell our listeners where they can find you. Uh, I'm sure your listeners will be very excited to hear about the Red Bulls Focus podcast I've been doing since 2020 <laughs> to 2010, which is called Seeing Red, and you can find it at Seeing Red NY. But in all seriousness, guys, it's great to talk to you, and uh, you know I hope you go down in a flaming heap on Sunday night. Uh, and I'm sorry I won't be able to be there. I was in the house for Bradley's 100th goal after that horrendous thunderstorm delay. Mm -hmm. uh, I got home, I think, at 5 in the morning, and it was absolutely worth it. And, uh, you know, I hope Briant starts again because he is a gift to Red Bulls fans. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll be able to throw all those words right back in Mark's face yeah. on Sunday night. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Find us, of course, at blackandredunited.com, patreon.com slash filibuster if you want to support us financially. Find us on Twitter at filibusterdcu, at blackandredu for the website. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, download, subscribe, rate, and review. I'm told those are very important wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, please spread the word uh, by telling a friend about the show. That's the We've been around for, I guess, almost 10 years now, and that's still... I think one of the best ways to that you can help us out for Jason and Ben and thanking Mark one more time. I'm Adam. We'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Happy birthday. Noted filibuster listener, George Clinton. <laughs>